So we have today the story of the rich man and Lazarus. In the history of the church, the rich man is often kind of personified with the name Dives, uh, which literally just means the rich man, uh, but it's, you know, it's, he's referred to as if that's his name itself, with a capital D even, uh, to be able to indicate these things. And this, uh, this kind, of, kind of keeping in the, in the tradition of the church, this is an understanding that, that this is something that a, a name really personified a person. It, it showed you something about them, right? So, Peter, you are the rock, right? And so, there's, there's this fact of things. And so, um, for have, to have uh, an individual who, who's referred to by name as simply the rich man is kind of the, the essence of who he is, at least scripturally speaking. And so, this, this man, Adives, we find that um, he experiences the good things of life. He dines sumptuously each day. Man, if we could dine sumptuously once a week or once a month, I think we'd be in good shape most times and be pretty happy about it. But this man, every single day, dines sumptuously, rich food, choice wines, much an imitation of our first reading today that we hear from the prophet Amos about the people who are, who are caught up in the pleasures of the world. They lie on their ivory beds and their comfortable couches, and they, like David, and not in a positive sense, uh, David is, is both a positive example and a negative one. Here he's using the negative, because uh, David, when he should have been off, you know, ministering with the people of God, being the king, leading, the, leading his armies in battle, he stayed back at home at one point and found himself enjoying his comfortable couch in his, uh, his rooftop terrace. And next thing you know, he's in adultery, and then he's in murder, and then he's in covering up murder, and then he finds himself in a whole deep hole real, real quick. And it began by him seeking his comforts. And so, these people in the, in the prophet Amos, they're, they're seeking their comforts as well. They've got bowls of wine, not just cups of wine, glasses of wine, bowls of wine. Imagine that, the, that you just have to worry about finishing your bowl of wine for the day. That's your task, right? You just got so much money, you just have to, you just have to finish the whole bowl, and that's, and that's enough, right? This is the, the comfort that these people experienced, at least in part, some of them, the rich ones. And so it's here, Dives, the rich man, probably in a comparable situation, dining sumptuously each day, having these, this, this rich fare and enjoying all the comforts of his earthly life. And to his condemnation, he's unaware of anyone else around him, it seems. He's so caught up in himself, so caught up in, in seeking his own comfort that, he's, that he simply ignores Lazarus, who's at his door. Lazarus, the man who's, who's right there at, the, at the, the entryway of his home. Lazarus, whom he would have to pass by to come in and to go out. Lazarus longed to eat even the scraps from the man's table. He would happily have eaten them, the Lord tells us in the this, in this story, which means he didn't actually ever get any of it. He would love to have eaten it, but he got none. Both of these men die and they go to their reward. Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham, which is a, a kind of a, essentially a, the, the waiting place before the Lord opened the gates of heaven. And so Lazarus is, is going to enter into his reward. He's going to enter into heavenly life. He suffered in this world and, and you know, staying close to the Lord, he's able to inherit eternal life. But Dives, the rich man, he so comforts himself in this world that he has no better comfort in the life to come. Rather, he has torments and he finds himself in hell. And he's longing for thirst. He's longing with thirst. 
We see how the, the story Jesus tells us is, is Devez, he looks, he looks over and he sees Father Abraham and he sees Lazarus at his side and he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to dip the, fi- the tip of his finger in the water and come to quench my thirst. There's two important things here. One is that he knows who Lazarus is. It's not just send, send that guy, you know, or, you know, send, send that, that, that fellow who happened to be standing at my door very frequently. No, Lazarus. I know his name. He knew his name, and yet during this earthly life, he did nothing for him. And secondly, he is burning with thirst. He longs for just a single drop of water to be put on his tongue. Imagine how painful that would be to long for just a drop of water. If a drop of water would be the joy of your heart, what must be the sufferings in the fire? These two things are, are given, but the answer that is given to Devez in his plead for, a, for even a, a drop of water or two is, no, you had your chance. You have your reward. And it's a sorrow to Devez. At least send them to my brothers then, right? At least spare them from this. No. They have the law, they have the prophets, they have Moses, they, they have everything that they need. And this is reality that Jesus also is kind of speaking here in a, in a veiled manner of the fact that, that if they don't listen to the law, right, if they don't listen to the law and the prophets, even someone raising up from the dead isn't going to convince them, which is a prophetic word because later on they have the law and the prophets, and when Jesus is raised up, many of them do not believe. He's exactly true. And in this place, there is just simply Divas lost in the fires. But you have to wonder what might have happened if in response to Divas's call for, for a drop of water, the Lord God had said to the person of Abraham, Divas, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to send you back. You'll be raised up and you'll have five years, five years of life on earth. Do you think he would have just gone back and done the same thing? I don't think so. <laughs> At least I would hope not. Hopefully if one had burned with thirst, even for just a single drop of water, you'd learn your lesson. And whenever he would be sent back, he would long to, to, to be able to share that gift with others, to let every single person elsewise know the reality of what could await them. This is what we often see, in fact, with those who, who you know, by, by, some, by some grace of God, uh, experience some vision of the next life, and especially those who experience the, you know, a glimpse into the fires of hell or a glimpse into the reality of purgatory, they tell people about it. <laughs> they don't just kind of keep it quietly in their heart. They say, hey, you need to know this. This is a fearsome thing. And they themselves strive to, to, to make sure it never happens to them, and they strive to be able to, to let others know the same realities so that it won't happen to others either. They're deeply convicted of the need for holiness of life, turning away from sin. So we have to wonder if this might would have been the case if Divez had been able to do this, had been able to be raised up by the Lord and given another chance. But the simple fact is, he was not. He was not given a second chance. He was not given the opportunity to go back and to change things. But we here today 
have been given that chance because we, unlike the rich man in the gospel, are not dead and buried. We are living and open to the grace of God in our hearts, able to receive the sacraments and to live a life of prayer and of faith. We are able to look around us and to find those who are in need and to do something about it. It's for us to make sure that we learn the lesson the Divas himself did not learn during their earthly life. In other words, it's for us to look around us each day and to ask the good Lord, where is my Lazarus? Where is my Lazarus? Sometimes we may know the Lazarus of our life. They may be in our family. They may be in our home. It might be a friend that we know or a coworker or a classmate. It can be any number of people around us. And sometimes we will know their name. And sometimes we will have no idea their name unless we ask them. And yet, nonetheless, there are those who are around us who are in need. They need something. Sometimes it is a physical hunger. Sometimes it is a spiritual one or an emotional one. And whatever it is, we are invited by the Lord to give of ourselves generously and to be mindful of others, to see them and to do something about their need. It's not to be so consumed with the comforts of this life that we are focused only upon our own selves, but rather to be able to look to others as well. Of course, this has to be done sensibly. We can't just go and, and do all kinds of things in a haphazard manner that may cause, uh, you know, uh, may cause difficulty for, for others or, or especially our own family if we have little ones. And so, you know, there's a, a sensibility to these things. But the simple fact is that we are called to give of ourselves, not to simply ignore a person who may be around us if they are inconvenient to us, not to give way to the thoughts that easily can come to the mind that as we see a person in need, as we see a situation in which we might be able to do something, to be able to come with a, usually it happens rather quickly, a nice list of reasons why we ought not to do so, and how easy it is to pick one of those and to try to numb our conscience and to move on. And so as we offer this Holy Mass, we pray that the Lord would give us the grace to recognize who is the Lazarus that may be in our life today and each day, that may change from day to day, to be able to have the courage to do something about this, to be able to, to reach out to others in their need, to be able to do so generously, and to rejoice that one day, on account of these things, we'll be able, please God, to stand with him on the side of Lazarus next to Father Abraham in the kingdom of heaven.